This is Delaney Walker, and you're listening to The Gridiron Show. Hello, and welcome to The Gridiron Show, and our off-season shows continue with a look around the AFC South. The one you wanted, it's the one you asked for, and it's the one we're going to bring you with three cracking interviews. We're going to talk with superstar tight end of the Tennessee Titans, Delaney Walker, AJ Bouet after his breakout season with the Texans, and Tony Vaselli on whether that change is all going to be worthwhile. This is The Gridiron Show. Hey, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And tomorrow at midday, myself and Ollie are going to be having a lengthy conversation with Ben Morseman from Touchdown Trips in order to work out some of the, obviously not the finalised details because we don't get through the... Uh, we don't get through the schedule for a little while longer, but once we've got that through, obviously, the finalised details, but figuring out what we're going to do on the day trips. We've seen some rather sexy artwork coming through. It's all coming together really nicely. So go to touchdowntrips.com or to their Facebook or Twitter in order to find out more information and to register your interest. And we hope by the end of this week, there will be a first email going out, at which point you'll be able to start entering your deposits, etc. If you're uh, a new listener to the show, this is a tour we're going to be doing next season. We're going to make sure it's away from the international series games it's going to be of the deep south we're going to be going definitely in our plans at tennessee new orleans lsu atlanta and uh yeah it's going to be a cracking time we're looking to do about 10 days there three or four games a couple of college games all within the 2000 pound mark it's going to be all very exciting done the shilling as always on the show ollie hunter is with us that's much better than when i tried it with five minutes notice. Uh, <laughs> hey, Willie. What do you mean with five minutes notice? I, like, Mate, I was working up until we, seven. We do, yeah, but we do the, we basically yeah, do the, the same thing at the top of the show every single time. Mate, so mate, I'm sure you could have figured you, out. You think I, I pay any attention to what you say? Well, it'd be nice if you did. Just yeah, once. you're right. You probably sh- you, you're right. You're right. You might learn something. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> I, not, I'm not the fount of knowledge, but uh, you know there might have been a lesson or two to have learned. Uh, Matthew Sherry is with us as well. Hello, Matthew. Apparently, he's not with us. He's gone. He's left us. What's he done? Who knows? Right. Let's uh, let's crack on and see if he dials back in. I'll uh, I'll hang up on him and, and get him up again because he's decided that he doesn't want to be here. I don't, are you hearing those noises through? Yeah, uh, I was as there. Well, oh, you were there. You just weren't talking to us. What a shocker. What are you doing? Matthew! <laughs> Matt! Matt! What's he doing? Matt! Matt! I've got your kids, Matt. I've, I've, I've got your kids. It's a really niche reference if uh, nobody knows it. Uh, know it. Um, fine. By the way... Can, no, can you hear me, Anas? I can, can hear you now. I don't know what was going on there. What are you doing? It, are you on... I never know what you're doing back there. Never know what he's doing back there. <laughs> does, does the Wi-Fi not work in Hartlepool? Or... The Wi-Fi is sensational. Do you have internet in Hartlepool? Getting 200 megabytes of internet. At the he's moment. getting 200 kilobytes is what he means. If you're getting Good that much internet, mate, why are you... You might as... Yeah, you should be sounding better. And yeah, that didn't work. 
Shocker. Absolute shocker. Anyway, we should be able to understand what you're saying, I think is what Ollie's trying to say. Yeah. Uh, this technically gifted start to the show has been brought to you by uh, the Gridiron <laughs> Show and Gridiron Magazine. New, edi- new and final edition of the magazine of the season should be hitting people's... It's not the final one, Matt. Oh, I thought the next one counted as the... Because the season starts on March the 9th. Surely the next one starts as ne- counts as next season. Our, our season ends with the draft issue. Oh, uh, okay. Right, the penultimate edition then, uh, including... <laughs> Including our interview with Brandon Williams, which you're going to hear on the next show of the podcast, where we look at the AFC North uh, and lots of other exciting content, Matt Sherry. Oh, it's going to be awesome, yeah. There's, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, it's actually one that people really need to buy soon because it, it's kind of just primed you everything you need to know for free agency, every team looked at. And some really nice interviews in there. we got Bruce Arians, Tony Jefferson, who's about to get heavily paid and... My piece from the Super Bowl, which can also be read online for free at the moment if people want to try before the buy is the sir. All very good. All very good. Uh, Ollie, I haven't really seen you in the last week. Basically, as uh, pe- like we can share this with our small podcast audience, even though I'm sure I'll get in trouble for it. But we talked on our last show about how the NBA was starting on TalkSport. Oh, yes. And, and unfortunately, that has been delayed. Um, basically, because they promised me the shifts, they've had to pay me. And I have lived the life of an unemployed person for the last seven days. Just a very well-paid unemployed person. Um, not very well-paid. That is really overstating what I'm paid. A reasonably paid unemployed person. So I've watched a lot of Netflix. I've been to the cinema a lot. And I have been... Like, I oh, subscribe to about around... 25 different podcasts. And I've run out of podcasts to listen oh, to. Oh, wow. Have you I... subscribed to Crime Town? I haven't subscribed to Crime Town. I'd recommend Crime Town. Crime Town's good. I watched. Um, I watched. Sorry, I'm eating blueberries at the same time as doing this. I watched uh, Train Spotting the other day. The original or the second one? The second one. Excellent. I thought it was unbelievable. I really I mean, enjoyed. it. I mean, wow, what a film! Whoa. Like so nostalgic, but not in a in a in a crap way. Um, it, it really visceral. I, I thought it was just a brilliant film. Brilliant. He- People aren't huge fans of uh, when we spend too long talking about film reviews. But um, would you like a one-word review of all the stuff I've seen in the last, like, ten days? Because I've seen a lot. Uh, yeah, one word. I reckon I could, well, not for every, but one for each film. Okay. So, Hacksaw Ridge, meh. Uh, Lego Batman, not a word. hilarious. Uh, a noise, a, a word or a noise, right, fine. Right. Moonlight Genius, um... John oh, Wick. Yeah, Moonlight's meant to be amazing, yeah, yeah. John Wick, boring. Oh, wow, um, what a shame. Uh, I'm trying to think, what else have we seen? Uh, Sarah is like, uh, hidden hidden figures. Yeah. I loved it. I know that's two words, but yeah, I oh. couldn't think of one word. Uh, there's been more. I, this, I, is, I, this is all gold stuff. I'm glad yeah, that we're not recording this. <laughs> well, you know, we've got to have that little five minutes of rambling before we uh, before we get to the uh, before we get to the football chat, the hard football chat. We've got great interviews on this show as well. Delaney Walker, AJ Bouet, and Tony Baselli, all from Radio Row, all very relevant, all really good chats. I forgot. I listened back to them before the show for once. I actually did my job because, considering I'm living like a uh, an unemployed person, I made little notes. I sent you over the ones for the AFC South. Uh, I forgot how much I enjoyed Delaney Walker, so I'm really looking forward to that. But also, all three of them were really good fun. So uh, those all coming for you as well. But should we touch on a few bits of news from around the NFL, as it were, from the last six or seven days? Yeah. 
because there's a lot of there's a lot of bits that people are wanting to talk about and constantly going on about stuff like Romo don't care at this point. Come back to me when something's happening. Like, but there were there were three things that have caught my eye that are not related to our AFC South chat today that I wanted to mention. Uh, the first one was Darrell Revis. Um, if you've not if you've been living under a rock and you've not followed his arrest for assault and all the nonsense that's gone on around it as well. Um, it, it, go and read about it online. There's no point in us regurgitating it. But Matt Sherry, I ask you, Darrell Revis, is he on a team next year? I'm not sure he was going to be anywhere, to be honest, because I don't think the Jets are going to keep him. And I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to play for the kind of contract he's going to get. he would get in the off-season. So I, I would say no. Well, the, the the potential that I did see, if because he, he's clearly still physically able to play, is maybe, you know, if somebody gets an early injury, and an injury during the preseason, something like that, and is willing to overpay what he's now worth, it'd still be less than what he's been getting. But if he suddenly gets offered $8 million to go and play for a team for one year, like just as the season's starting, I think there would be some consideration there. But I'm with you. My overall feeling is that he's done. I, I just I think he's done because he wants to be done as well. I don't think he's interested anymore in putting the, the effort in necessary. He's, I, I think there were, there were... I mean, it's easy to look back with hindsight, but the... It was always troubling the contract they gave him when he just won a Super Bowl. He clearly signed for the Patriots to win a Super Bowl. And when a guy of that age who's already going to be a Hall of Famer wins a Super Bowl, you kind of just think, well, what's your motivation going to be from here on in? And it seems with Darrell Revis, there hasn't been any motivation. I mean, he could also be in prison. So The, the motivation was money, money, money. But uh, it didn't appear to motivate him anywhere oh, near yes. enough. Uh, yeah. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to check we were all in lockstep on that. Um, the next one, Martellus Bennett. He is going to test the free agent market before deciding whether or not to stay in New England or seeing what he can get out there. I think uh, complete respect to him for it. At his age, he's probably, um, you know, approaching what, if not his last contract, his last but one contract and needs to make sure uh, he gets the money that he can get after having a second stellar season in a row. Um, if he doesn't end up back at the Patriots, Sherry, how much of a problem is that for what your offense was looking to do last year? Or do you think it's another case of, it's fine, we'll just redesign it and it'll be fine again? Well, given they did that mid-season and won the Super Bowl without Gronk and with Bennett <laughs> with a broken ankle, I would suggest that I'd back them to find a way around that. I mean, it's it's a funny one with Bennett because I think a lot of the teams, I, I think Houston and Pittsburgh are two teams who would be interested. But Jack there's a little bit... Of, yeah, and, and the Jaguars as well. But there's a problem with that in that he's very much planning for a after-football career. He's got his company called the Imagination Agency, writes a lot of children's books and that kind of thing. And and he needs to kind of go to a market where that is applicable as well, I think. I think he wants to be to be pushing that as well as, as well as his football career during the season. And the Patriots allowed him to do that. And Boston's an area where that seems to fit well. Boston. So. He needs to hit one of those big market areas. So it's whether a team in one of those areas offers him a deal and then is the deal that much better than New England. So I'm not sure that the whole script has been written on that one yet. How much? The New York Jets will just throw money at him and he'll yeah, the, go I there mean, and being the, rubbish. The, the Jets could do. I mean, New York's one of the markets I'm looking at. I mean, Chicago would probably be one as well, but there's no danger of them taking him back there. So it kind of it really shallows the field of, of who could go after him, I think. How much would he command? Like ten million for a year? No, I don't think so. I mean, much? I don't know. I don't know what the the market is for a, for a tight end. 
I mean, it's it's tough because he is brilliant, and and really, you can kind of ignore the fact that he was pretty average for the Woo-hoo. second half of the season because he he was playing with a cracked ankle. So yep. he is really good, but I, I, I'm T- not sure. Tight end. We we talked about safety with Andrew Brandt uh, during the season. Tight end is the position on the offensive side of the ball, which right now is probably the most underpaid overall in terms of what it offers you. If you get a good tight end who can block and act as a pass catcher, the the scheme flexibility you get from having a move tight end makes a huge, huge difference. And you see the teams that are in the Super Bowl and the, t- and the offenses that went deep in the playoffs. Almost all of them had that element, whether it was with a tight end, with a full back. Yeah. You know, that, that was something that they did. And so it feels like tight ends right now, he probably won't get that sort of money. And that's because the position is underpaid. But it feels like it's gradually moving towards the place where tight ends won't be. I think tight ends will replace, will move definitely above running backs in terms of average yearly salary. And, and I think we'll become, uh, you, when you get one who can do both key jobs, then it will become uh, as well paid as as the kind of low-end receivers as it probably from, should be. I think from New England's perspective, they'd love to get him back on, on kind of a one to two year deal and, and then hit a tight end in this very tight end rich draft class and then make a decision on Gronk next year when his deal's up based on on whether he's fully healthy for for a season again. And Jay Cutler, that's the other one. You mentioned the Bears and that will lead us nicely into Jay Cutler. Uh, Turning 34 this off-season, there's an interesting situation because I said I didn't want to talk about Romo, but I, I have made my reservations about Jay Cutler pretty adamant and clear on this uh, podcast before in that I think he's a guy who is an average quarterback, but he's an average quarterback by be, having highs and lows far too often. He's, he's not reliable in terms of his consistency, and that's what you really want if you're bringing in a stopgap, a bridge guy. I don't think he's going to go in and ch- turn a franchise around unless you can tell me one that you think that he'll go in there and be the difference maker, like a Texans or someone like that. I don't, I don't think he is that level, but I think he might be the best bridged, bridge quarterback available out there. Funny you should say that, Will. Matthew Sherry, who would you rather have for one year, Brock Osweiler or Jay Cutler? I think Jay Cutler without question. <laughs> it's not go. even close, is it? Yeah. But you can't. Can you get away with paying Jay Cutler? What's his his cap? And it is low for a starting quarterback. It's only about sixteen, sixteen and a half million. Can you get away with paying him that and Osweiler that as well? That's the difficult one with with Texans and, and Cutler. But I mean, I, I, I said to Ollie earlier, they might just find a little trade partner for a sixth or seventh round pick because that contract is so so reasonable. But the the, the the huge flip side to that is is that I could see Cutler hitting the market and one team being interested in signing them. So at that point, he doesn't have the leverage to get a bigger contract anyway. So I, I would guess eventually teams are on the side of, well, we're not going to give up a draft pick. He's going to hit the market. We don't think there'll be a huge market. And if we really want them, we'll get him. So it's a weird one, but I mean, he's going to get released, isn't he? So it, the, the, the Bears don't have a lot of leverage. But if I was... <sighs> It's dependent on what the Texans want to do with the Romo situation, but I think they need to come away from this free agency period with a Romo or a Cutler or a guy like that. Who is there you... somebody? Is there somebody beyond that? I mean, uh, Mike, well, Mike, Mike get... Glennon is probably the best of the backups. It, is it, as it isn't were, Mike but... Glennon just what they did last year with yeah. with Osweiler? I mean, you don't want to tie them with tie them with the same brush because they're similarly built, but. 
you're kind of getting an unknown quantity. At least with with Cutler, you kind of know what you're going to get, and you you would back because of the physical skill set that he has that other quarterbacks that were mentioned and don't have. You would back him in your own system to to work with him, and and because of just how good that defense is going to be. I mean, you look at what Denver did with Peyton Manning in that last season. That defense is to me on paper better than that Denver defence and that's saying a lot it could be unbelievable so they just need to get a guy who can be serviceable and and Romo I think would be way more than serviceable but I think I would make them one of the top three, four teams in the FC with I, I still, I still feel like we, we, this is getting us kind of into our Texans chat, so maybe this is our way to lead into the AFC well, South. Know. I've got, I've got another uh, name for you, another team there. If he does hit free agency, a team who are really in need of a quarterback and perhaps their current quarterback could sit behind Cutler for a year and learn all about his, all about his good things. What about the Rams? Yeah, it's not a bad one. I mean, big I market think... over there and uh, Cutler. You know, it, it, you, you could argue the same with Denver. I know he's got the history there, but it's a completely different office in Denver to what it was a year ago. I think they may, maybe think that they've got what they need in Simeon as a guy to bridge if they think that um, your big-handed mate is going to be the long-term option. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's very much what Denver are thinking. I'd be amazed if they were in the sweepstakes for any of these guys. But, yeah, I agree, Ollie. I think... I think it would be interesting because I, I don't think that would spell the end for Jared Goff. It would give him another year of development behind the scenes, which wouldn't be a bad thing. The only thing it'd be nice is, if he'd be allowed to develop behind a human being who has shown some level of decency towards the rest of his team. Like the difference with Romo is that you feel like the like the way Romo handled the Dak situation. Yeah, he'd come in, be a mentor. You don't expect that from Smoking Jay. Yeah, that that would be a problem. I mean, he's not the kind of guy who you want your young quarterback to be, to be acting as a role model from. But I think Romo's interesting for Los Angeles. I hadn't really thought about it until Mike Carlson mentioned it on the NFL show last night. And that that is an interesting one. But the Texans, I mean, the Texans are just so loaded. And I think the guy mm. we're going to listen to in, in a bit, AJ Bowie, I think will come back. And they've got Kevin Johnson coming back in the, the secondary and with Jonathan Joseph as well. I mean, Look, they, they, Andre be Hall, awesome. Sherry, no. you're getting you're getting all ahead of yourself. Let's listen to and hear from AJ Bouet and then start our AFC South Rounder. I think the way to do it. So I uh, caught up with him on radio. I mean, we start off by discussing it with him, but a phenomenal breakout year. And as Matt Sherry says in, to him in the interview, quite the time to do it as well. Uh, fascinating interview, particularly when he talks about uh, how he got his. Um, his off-season together in order to put together this great run this last year. And, and the fact of the matter is, he came back to Radio Road just to talk to us, as he again admits in the interview. So we're big fans. Texans cornerback, AJ Bouye. Delighted to be uh, joined on Radio Road by cornerback, well, currently cornerback for the Houston Texans, AJ Boyer, and certainly we'll talk about that. But uh, AJ, first of all, congratulations on what many people are calling a breakout season and certainly one where you've grabbed the national and international attention. Thank you. Uh, You know, just a lot of hard work. Starting off with that Texans defense, because I think we talked a lot about it in the offseason with whether it was JJ, whether it was with Whitney, whether whether it was with uh, Jadavian, and how excited we were about that front seven. Is there maybe a little bit of a feeling in the defensive backs room? Like, hold on, guys, we play for this team as well. Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. When you're a corner, you know the main thing is you want to always have a D-line or a pass rush. And I remember the first time we dra- when we drafted uh, Clowney, 
I was so excited. Like I was like, man, I called my dad. I said, imagine all the interceptions we about to get. I was just excited <laughs> for everybody because, and you know, unfortunately, you know, he wasn't healthy and everything. So that played out a little bit and people stopped believing in him. But, you know, we was all talking to him. We kept encouraging him. And the main thing he did was take over for the defense. And you started to see what the reason why he was the number one pick this year. Adrian, the, the say timing is everything in life. Could you have asked for a better time to produce the season you did last year with the free agency coming up now? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I could have asked for a better time, to tell you the truth, man. I'm, just, I'm blessed, man. Thankful for the opportunity. I'm thankful for them not giving up on me, you know, because just like I had good plays, I've had bad plays in my career, but that's with anybody. And one thing I had to do from the individual standpoint was just be persistent and just kept working hard. And like I said, my teammates was encouraging me. And um, I, I was just enjoying every day of it, just being out there with those guys. So, and and what what do you think sparked the turnaround? Because you you don't you had a pretty solid career before this point, but suddenly you emerged as kind of one of the top ten cornerbacks in the league almost from nowhere. It seemed. Was there anything you did differently in the off season? Or uh, I went back to where I trained uh, in the off season in Dallas, and I was with uh, Chris Harris Jr. with the Broncos and the to leave and. I was mostly with Chris all the time watching film, and we he was we would actually watch like my OTA practices. We'll watch uh, my old games, and he'll show me stuff, and he know the coverages. So this is how he'll play it. And the more I was seeing it on film, I would go right home after I left his house and watch more film, and it was just crazy, like all the stuff he was pointing out. So uh, just recognizing that stuff through practice helped out a lot, and just a lot of hard work, all the extra stuff I was doing just to see it work out on the field and just to know like unfortunately Kevin got hurt but I knew that I had a big opportunity and like it was no need to worry about being pulled out I just had to give it my all and that's one thing that I did and and how do the next few months play out for you now do you, do you have a number in mind as to terms of contract what you're looking for do you, have you spoke to your agent about that I, kind of thing I talked to my agent and my my agent he knows how I am so like he tried not to talk about it as much just for the simple fact. I think it's when does free agency start? Like the first week of March, I yeah. think. Mm. Um, so that's a long time, man. I'm just, I have my daughter with me. My dad's birthday coming up next month. So I'm traveling, just spending time with family, really just trying not to think about it because ain't nothing I could do about it right now. Yeah. And just wait for everything and just to see what happens. And undoubtedly, the best way to make sure you ignore it is to come to Radio Row and speak to 30 different radio stations about what you're going to earn in free agency. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I understand that, but like I said, it, this is something new for me. And I, like, I told my agent, like, I had to come back and talk to you guys. Like, I remember y'all from yesterday, so <laughs> I was like, go. man. There we go. It, obviously, the, the barbecue here in Houston is fantastic. The people are lovely. It's a big city. It's... If if the right offer came in, would you like to stay in Houston? Um, I, I I guess you could. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I, my daughter's here. The the chemistry I have with these guys, man, there. I love these guys here, especially the teammates, and I know that they're always going to push us. You know, especially in practice, uh, competing, and they're always going to have us at the top of our game because you know you have to compete to play and compete to stay. That's always been the motto there, and everybody's taking their job 100 percent ready to go. And with, with JJ going to come back next season, you've got Clowney who will have another season under his belt. Whitney Merciless was incredible in the playoffs and, and the latter part of the season as well. The rest of your defensive guys, you've got Cushing there as well. You're going to go into the draft. This defense next season, it will undoubtedly rival 
uh, the Patriots as th- this season and as long as they keep AJ Bure around though, as long as they keep you around of course <laughs> but th- it could be really a really exciting period uh, for the, the Texans defense next season uh, definitely I, I think no matter no matter what happens this is going to be this defense is going to be special and you can see that and then Kevin Johnson coming back uh, he was a big loss to the team with JJ so just had them guys back I'm they're already rehabbing hard JJ is rehabbing all day and working out all day so I know he's working hard he's and I know he's going to be what y'all used to seeing that's what I believe everybody's talking about is his back but I just know him as a person I know how hard he works and that's that's all I need to know about somebody and I'm interested to ask about the coaching stuff because um, Romeo Cronell is is notoriously one of the great defensive minds in the NFL and I know he's moved over to assistant head coach now Mike Vrabel's going to be the the D coordinator what are those guys like what's the overall coaching staff like and, and how big an influence are they having on your career at the moment uh they have a big influence you know uh the first year I came in I was with Kubiak so it was a little bit different and then O'Brien I was here all three years with O'Brien so I was able to see how he was as a coach and everything and when it comes to like my DB coach Vrabe and everybody like they're like I said they come to the game ready like every day they're ready to give them their all they're doing extras days that my coach said he doesn't see his son because he looks forward to seeing us and he's working hard and he's big on like watching a lot of film so we watch so much film and you know it's not always just work we we line it up uh with him and everything so they're they're uh coach Butler's a very good coach and you know he's helped me develop into the corner I am today I'm not going to sit here and say it was just all me uh I don't believe that at all but just the way they approach the job all the coaches you know you got to have respect for that uh, it, interesting to, to kind of tie that together I want to ask about one man in particular because you talked about the defensive backs in Denver the man who was your defensive backs coach the first year you came into the league has just taken their head coaching job in in Vance Joseph uh, I'm wondering what impact he had in your first season, particularly coming in as, as an undrafted guy, and and, uh, and whether you think that that's a that's a move that the Broncos guys are going to enjoy. Uh, you know, I was undrafted, so it was kind of like I knew my main focus was special teams. I was mm-hmm. a rookie, undrafted, and everything. But uh, one thing I did was take the coaching that he gave me in the uh, rookie mini camp, OTAs, and everything, and even in the preseason, like he's treating the preseason game like it was a real game and one thing no matter if you was undrafted first rounder if you just if you just got paid from another team like you was you know you had to work and he was going to make sure he was going to encourage you and make sure that you was at the best of your game and that's one thing when when I saw that he got the job I was really excited for him and then Chris texted me asked me what I thought about him I was like man he's just going to love Vance like VJ VJ's a great person he's a great coach and I'm, I'm I think he should have been a head coach a couple years back or at least a D coordinator before then, but a lot of people around the league have respect for him when I talk about him. So, it, it certainly that's been the conversation, hasn't it? Is that you know, they didn't have the greatest of years in Miami last year in terms of the pure numbers, but everyone talks about him as a great man, motivator, as a, as a guy who works well, coaches. And, and how have you found that? I, I want to wonder about Bill O'Brien as well, because certainly on this show, the, these two guys here are huge fans of Bill O'Brien. Saw him coach uh, when he was at Penn State, and. and I think in terms of underrated coaches in the league, he's right up there because what he's managed to achieve over the three years, and it's been a right. tough three years when you think about the amount of injuries and stuff. And I, the absence of 
with all due respect to the guys you've played with, that, that you haven't had that elite quarterback, that guy who kind of puts you over the top in that sense as well. Yeah, it's, it's tough, you know. Uh, like I, I read something where it was, and I was talking to Hopkins about it, it was crazy because I think we had, like, in the last three years, nine quarterbacks or something yeah. like that. So that's a – and then unfortunately it was because of in, uh, injuries and things like that. But one thing I can say about O'Brien, you know, a lot of people think, like, oh, man, he's just – rough they see what they see on tv and how he acts but he's he's actually a funny guy man and he just sometimes you know at the end of the day nobody's going to be perfect uh we're not going to always look for the bad stuff but one thing about him he always pushes us and he puts us in the best way uh best way to compete and practice and it translates to the game and he loves the game you can tell that he makes it fun sometimes so he, he lines up everything so He's a good coach, man, and he wants to work with the players, and the players want to work with him too. Just to pick up on something you, you mentioned earlier about being an undrafted guy, and interesting that you've struck up this relationship with Chris Harris, who has a similar story to yourself, an undrafted guy who has become one of the elite guys in the NFL. It seems to me that undrafted players, the ones who actually make it onto rosters, often turn out to be elite, top-quality players. Is there something about that because of the, the fact that you have to come up the hard way and, and do everything. I was talking to jo- Tony Jefferson, another guy set to hit free agency a month ago, and he's the same. Do you, do you feel like that gives you something intense? I, I, I think it do. You know, I've seen, I've been watching all the senior bowls and stuff, and you see, like, some of the top corners who they're, I'm not going to quote-unquote say hyping up, but it's just like, you look at their stats and you feel like there was nothing like yours, and then it's like, oh, well, look what the school this guy went to. That's why he got undrafted. And one thing Chris said, uh, and I was reading it, I forgot he had an interview, but he was just talking about how, like, when you're undrafted, you're going to have that label on you as far as, like, when you're doing good, they're going to praise you, but as soon as you mess up, it's, oh, that's why he was undrafted. Unlike when you're a first-rounder, oh, he's just developing. So it's it's always going to be that label on you, even after free agency and things like that, and I totally understand that, but I really appreciate them giving me that label because it makes me work harder. Uh, It makes me want to prove people wrong, and when you prove people wrong, your drive is just even crazier. And I, I guess just, I, I guess you still carry that draft uh, disappointment with you throughout. Oh, as well. most definitely, most definitely. But I mean, like I said, I appreciate that because I know all this could end the next day, and that's why I say it just makes me stay at the top of my game and make sure I do everything to stay there. Look, AJ, we haven't even talked to you about the Patriots you face. We haven't talked about the game this weekend or anything because I just think your story is so fascinating. We've enjoyed the season you've had so much this year. So thank you for coming out and joining us. Uh, we hope you do end up back in Houston for the people of Houston. I appreciate that, that. Keep that defense together and it's going to be a special unit next I year. I appreciate that. Good man. Thank you, AJ. AJ Boo, a superstar cornerback, hopefully of the Houston Texans, as we said to him, we hope to be back in the city in which we were speaking with him. Uh, interesting discussion overall, and, and similarly to what uh, Matt Sherry was saying beforehand, that when you consider Kevin Johnson's coming back, JJ Watt's coming back, he talked about the great chemistry there and how Bill O'Brien always pushes them and he feels like they get them right to the top of their game on both sides of the ball. There is, uh, certainly looking at this AFC South in general, when you want to talk from a pure talent perspective, very difficult to argue that the Texans are the best team in the division. Without question, I think they are. I mean, I mean it, to me, I'd be really excited if I was a Texans fan because I can see them realising that and being proactive and getting one of these quarterbacks we're talking about. And I mean, to me, the, the, they're immediately the team that, that are up there with New England and the AFC next 
Jeff to get that quarterback and they're actually a team that are built to beat New England as well so I think Texans could, could easily be in the Super Bowl next year and it was great hearing from AJ Bowie as well. I mean, we all know how good that front seven's been there, but the discussion of um, what the front seven means versus uh, what that means for the, the corners and for the defensive backs and, and the pressure that they can get. I thought Jadavian Clowney this season, I, the last six or seven games of last season was really imp- was like starting to grow into it, but this year he looked like a number one overall pick on defence, and I'm... I'm really excited to see him and JJ Watt line up on the same defense, and I'm also I, I'm just intrigued to know what they're going to do in the middle because the little we saw of, of DJ Reader when he was coming in this year was kind of fine, but I, I think like if they're going to do something in this offseason on the defensive side of the ball, it might be just to bring in a dominant nose tackle. I don't know what their cap situation is like in terms of affording one of the free agent guys, but maybe it's one to go and look at in the draft. Because if they can just add that one last piece to the front seven with Vince Wilfork probably retiring, or has he confirmed he's retiring, then that would make the difference for me. Yeah, I think he is going to retire. I'm not sure it's been confirmed yet. I'm, I'm, I would think it will be a he'll sign for the Patriots for one day situation and retire. So we, I mean, we've kind of we've more than touched on it, but. What do you do with a problem like Osweiler? You've just got to you've you've really just got to bite the bullet and keep him for another year. I mean, maybe even cut him and and, and take the cap hit. But I mean, there's not a, there's not a great deal that you can do, is there? Um, you you've just got to do what you do with him, really. I, I mean, it's not the greatest secret uh, on this podcast that I never rated him, didn't like him going for that amount to the Texans off the back of. Not a particularly uh, stellar six or seven games for the Broncos, and it got so bad that they brought back the aged and uh, pretty ineffective Peyton Manning. Okay, Manning managed to to get them to that Super Bowl, and, and, and they won it. I wonder if, with the Texans, they keep him around for another year just to see what's going on, but they look to the draft and draft someone maybe in the first round, maybe in the second round, and see what they do. Now, uh, a guy that we were hoping to get on uh, the podcast whilst we were out there in in Houston was Patrick Mahomes. I saw him. He's a Texan lad. I saw him play for the Texan Texan, uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) You got there eventually, buddy. Um, And I I went on just now just to have a look at what what are other people thinking draft-wise, mock draft-wise. And the first one I pick up, WalterFootball.com. Patrick Mahomes going to the Texans as the 25th overall pick. I mean, I, that, that, I mean, I think they get somebody that good in the second round. There's some talk about Jabril Peppers falling as low as where they are there, and, and that would be ideal for me. But I actually also think the offensive line is their other area where I know that Brock Osweiler is a real problem, but if I was looking at one other place yeah. that I think they really do need to improve, um, when they had big injuries there and they seemed to have them pretty constantly, there was just not the right level of protection. There wasn't the right level in the running game. I don't think Derek Newton's working at right tackle and Dwayne Brown can't seem to stay healthy and is old at left tackle. So that's the other area that they could really look at. Matt yeah. Sherry, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult one, really. It's like he's um, fallen asleep, isn't it? I mean, I, I kind of agree with Ollie that they need to try and get get a developmental quarterback. Um, but I do think they need to just sign a veteran and accept that if they can front-load that deal, 
um, they can get out of the Oswala deal next year. So you can basically yeah. have a very cash-heavy deal in the first year and then you spread the cap it into the second year. But, and then for the second year, it's fine because you, you're paying probably... 30 million for a quarterback but if it's Tony Romo and you're in the Super Bowl mix then you can afford to do that um, but yeah I mean they need to do something with it I don't think they can go into it with Osweiler and Tom Savage Should we work down our, Should we work down the AFC South in terms of the teams uh, as they finished last season and go to the Tennessee Titans next Yep Go I also on. wanted to do that because we've got a really good interview because uh, what we, we did chat with while we were out there, uh, he came over to actually, he was um, there promoting uh, a really uh, really great, well in fact, we'll just let him tell you about it between Tostitos and Uber to make sure that people were not drink driving on Super Bowl weekend, you were going to be able to get yourself a free Uber, uh, so we talk, we talk about that, but then we get into the team itself, the performance that year and uh, let's hear a little bit what he had to say and then we'll chat Titans. Delighted to be joined on Radio Row by superstar tight end of the Tennessee Titans, Delaney Walker. Delaney, how are you enjoying your Super Bowl experience down in Houston so far? Uh, pretty good. You know, uh, it's crowded. Streets are blocked. It's just like I like the Super Bowl. Hectic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And, and I mean, you've been doing this coming down for a, a couple of years now, I imagine. And uh, Houston, great city. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I used to live in Houston, so I'm, I'm familiar with Houston and uh it's good to be back. You know, I haven't been back in a while, so uh, I'm glad to be back here, and I'm glad the Super Bowl is here because that means uh, everybody's going to be in Houston this week. Tell me a little bit about uh, the work you're doing with Tostitos, with Uber, and Mothers Against Drink Driving because this is something which obviously applies just as much to our listeners in the U.K. as it does anywhere else in the world. It's a key issue and an important one for you to be highlighting. Uh, well, I partner up with uh, Matt and uh, Tostitos, so Tostitos got a program um, if you go buy their bag of chips, the ones with the Super Bowl logo on it, um, on the back is the last five digits. If you put that in, the UPC code on Sunday during the game or after the game, 25,000 fans uh, will get a discounted Uber ride. And, uh, I mean, you can't pass that up. That's beautiful. You know, we just want to make sure everyone get home safe. Again, you can go to Tostitos.com or Mad.org uh, to learn more about the program. But 25,000 fans will get a discounted Uber ride if you buy a bag of Tostitos chip and put in the UPC, the last five digits. I'll tell you, we, we've been out in here in the US for a week now, and, and actually we were talking about it. It's so bizarre we've come to this. We were talking about this yesterday because we saw an advert, an anti-drink driving advert on American television. And in the UK, when we have something around drink driving, it's very much focused on drink drive and you could kill someone. Yeah. And here it was drink drive and you could get fined. And we were stunned by that that was what they thought might affect people more to stop them from doing it. So things like this, I, I think, are massive. And actually, to be quite honest with you, after we finished covering the game and come back into town, we're staying a little bit out. So I might be trying to get my, uh, my Uber code so I can yeah. get home a little cheaper <laughs> yeah. as well. Very true. You know, and, and it is sad that in this country, that's what they show. You know, they show you a fine because that's what people tend to relate to more is losing money other than killing someone by a senseless act. So uh, let's try to, you know, be safe and uh, take advantage of Tostitos, what they got going on with that program. Again, you know, you buy a bag of chips, you put in the last five digits, uh, you get a discounted Uber ride. So, I mean, uh, you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Let's talk about uh, the Tennessee Titans and the AFC South because, I mean, close this season. Right up there with the Texans in the city we're in right now. And, and uh, it always feels like the NFL that it's a, a game where 
it's a finest of margins. There's a couple of those performances. I think week 11 against the Colts particularly springs to mind. Well, that's a game you guys could have won. And, and that's the difference between playoff football and not. But to go from the position you were in 12 months ago to now being a 9-7 and seven team, I think it's fair to call that positive progress. I, I would say, you know, um, the year before we only won three games. And then to have a new coaching staff, new GM, and then come in and go 9-7, and seven, I mean... That's the right. That's the right steps in the right direction, and uh, I'm happy with that. I know that uh, our GM and our coaches are working to get people to the the for the puzzle, the pieces that we're missing to help this team out to come in for this next season, uh, so we can be a, a playoff uh, contending team. So I think a lot of people uh, before the season were maybe laughing a little bit at Mike Malarkey and the <laughs> exotic smash mouth football that we were expecting you to play. Not a phrase that we used to in Britain. I know that much, but you guys did. You committed to it. You ran the ball. You got great seasons from those guys behind the line. And, and uh, what has Mike Malarkey brought to the team in his first full year as, as head coach? Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to just say the attitude, you know, the attitude of knowing that we can win. I think uh, the years before we doubted if we can win. And now this year we know we can win. We go into games expecting to win. And I think Mike Malarkey brung that attitude because I've seen it all along. When he was my tight end coach, we always had that attitude. And I knew once he got the head job, uh, that's the type of uh, – that's what he wanted out of his players. So, I mean, hybrid tight ends are becoming absolutely massive in the NFL. And, and you see guys like Travis Kelsey having a great year this year. But because his blocking got so much better on top of his pass catching – that's something that I think both facets of your game are excellent. But when the team can go out and get a, a tackle like Jack Conklin and perform so well in his first season, yes. that's a bit nice for you. Maybe you get a release off the line a bit more often and catch a few more of those passes. Most definitely. When you know that you've got an offensive line, like uh, a left tackle and a right tackle like Taylor Wan and Jack, uh, that you, you can go and do some make some moves. You ain't got to break your route early. You ain't, you know, your quarterback going to have time to throw the ball. Uh, so I think they're moving in the right direction. I know they're going to probably get some more O-linemen to, uh, O-line to make that, that line even tougher, you know, in depth. Uh, but I think we're moving in the right direction. we got two good running backs that can run the ball. Uh, so we'll see what happens, you know, with who we get next to help out that offense. And I'm pretty sure they're going to help get some players to make sure the defense is stout too. So What about Marcus? Really impressed with him in year two. Marcus is Marcus is probably the heart and soul of our offense and, and our team. You know, uh, he go out there, he give his, give it all he got every every game. Even if he's hurt, um, if, if he's not feeling, if he's sick, he go out there and play with a hundred percent effort. So uh, I'm looking forward to him to, to heal up and come back even better than he was this year. Yeah, and and I think for me, it, it was the connection with you in that first season. But it felt like toward towards the end of this year. Obviously, we want you to get the ball as much as possible, Delaney, but it felt like it was getting maybe spread about a little bit more, and it felt like other guys were getting into the game, and and that offense was getting a bit more varied as the year went on as well. well I'm excited when other guys are touching the ball, because then defenses ain't trying to stop me, you know, so that helps me out. And uh, I look forward to them bringing in another guy that uh, they feel like can help the offense out, with, if that's a receiver or a tight end, that, you know, that can touch the ball because uh, if I touch the ball as much as I did the two years prior, mm-hmm. everyone know I'm getting it and, and, you know, I get beat up and I feel like crap after the season. So uh, I'm fine with that. You know, people get upset when they don't touch the ball. Hey, as long as we winning, I'm, I'm cool with get that. Get a little bit freer in the end zone maybe. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm going to get open a little bit more. They got to double team <laughs> other people. Let's see. Let's see that happen. I think that's uh, – we look at this weekend's game and you've got to be thinking a guy like Julio Jones who has been – 
so impressive throughout his career so far, but this season, when they got those running back weapons really firing, when Carl Shanahan's system really started to work for them and, and Matt Ryan had such a great year, that's when he starts having those 300-yard games, starts having those 1,500, 1,200-yard seasons, because you can do that when you're not being doubled constantly. Yeah, and, and you know, in football, it's not like basketball. It's not like baseball. You go up there, you can just hit a home run, help your team out. In basketball, you can just shoot threes all day. Football, it takes all 11 players on the field to help you out. But Julio, don't get me wrong, Julio is a monster. He's hard to stop. But when you give him more options where they got to worry about other players, that makes him even more dangerous. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he do this Super Bowl. There's one guy I do want to ask about on the Titans who's a personal favorite of mine. I think one of the most underrated defensive players in the league, and that's Jarrell Casey. Yes. And I know that maybe you guys don't go up against each other all the time in practice, but I'm sure that's a matchup you've had to face occasionally. <laughs> How do you block a man monster like that? I just hold him. <laughs> no, flags, just, no flags No flags in practice, flags right? <laughs> I just hold him. That's, I just, hey, they ain't throwing the flag. That's what I tell him. He be like, stop holding him. I'm like, you ain't seen no flag, did you? Because it's practice, I, you know. But, uh, no, he makes me better, man. He's, uh, he's a tough guy to block. And uh, I, at practice, I really hate going against him in practice because he either hurting my thumbs or fingers So, because uh, he got all these moves. But, uh, you know, he don't get the respect that he deserves. The guy is probably one of the best out there that does what he do and uh you know i again i'm glad to be on this team and i don't have to face him um in weeks to come or whatever when when uh if i wasn't on the team with him so you know i think i see him getting better and uh you know this is second pro bowl straight second pro bowl so i i think he's gonna be a force in the nfl delaney 32 years old you You've had a career that's taken its time to get to peak. I mean, I liked you in San Francisco. I'm a 49ers fan. But okay. I never felt you were utilized necessarily in the right way. Maybe that yeah. offense didn't, didn't fit that scheme, etc. But we asked questions on Twitter, and, and a Titans fan called Adam Barton said, first of all, we thank you for getting better every year. Yeah. But he wonders how many years you think you've got left in you and, and whether that ring that you so desperately will want can be achieved in Tennessee. Uh, I feel like I got at least four years in me. Nice. Um, and I'm trying to get that ring within that two so we uh we'll see what happens i know i got about four i you know i tell you after this pro bowl game i felt good um didn't feel too beat up you know really going out there and not you know practices are not that hard so to go in the game and run full speed you can feel a little tired after the game but i felt great how and, fun uh, were the skills contests this year I didn't do them, oh, but uh, I watched them, and it was pretty neat. You know what I mean? I should have took... I'd just happily have the Pro Bowl be that. Yeah, I, I know. That's <laughs> what it should just be, a, a fun game, just like activities. You know, yeah. don't even put us on the field to get hurt, but uh, it is what it is. And, you know, they we sold out, so, I mean, we had to put on a show. We sold out that stadium. Uh, but the skills challenge was awesome. I watched it. I, I want. I should. I, dang! I should have signed up now that I was watching <laughs> it. But uh, I think the guys that was out there did a great job and, and made it fun for the fans. Awesome stuff, Delaney. What do you reckon for this weekend? Uh, you know what? I'm going with Atlanta. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, they they haven't been in the in the Super Bowl in 18 years. Uh, I think everyone is just doubting these guys, and uh, they're gonna come up. They're gonna come out and show out. I promise. Beautiful stuff. And just tell us once more where people can find out more information about uh, MAD and, and about Uber and the work you're doing with Tostitos to get people home safe. Uh, again, you can go to Tostitos.com or MAD.org to learn more about the cause. Uh, you can go to the store, buy Tostitos bags. If you flip it over the last five digits of the UPC code, put it in on Sunday, during or after the game, 
25,000 fans will get a discounted Uber ride. Make sure you get home safely. Let's take care of the people that's on the road. Beautiful stuff. Delaney Walker, thank you very much for thank taking you. the time out to speak with us on Radio Row. Really appreciate it. Thank you. you very much. Brilliant. Uh, Delaney Walker, superstar, tight end of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, first of all, I thoroughly enjoyed the how do you go. Uh, like, I wanted to ask about Jarrell Casey because he is a fa- player that I'm a huge fan of. And I wanted to know what it's like to have to go up against him when you're doing, you know, one-on-one drills, when you're doing, uh, uh, when he's having to get in there and block as a tight end. And him just saying, I just hold him. There's no flags in practice. I just hold him. Loved it. That's great, that, isn't it? A little insight. Because he's right. There are no flags in practice. And <laughs> generally, you're not going to come up up against many people with that skill, that same skill set. Okay, it's the National Football League. And you do, teams do have exceptional pass rushes. And, and, uh, but, yeah. What, what that, I like is the idea... What I like is the idea is that if you're like Philip Supernor or Jason Morrow or someone, then you're trying your very best to block him and show what you can do. And Daniel Walker's just like, I'm going to be starting over this bunch of clowns, so why bother? I'm playing anyway. <laughs> so I don't need to prove to you that I can block. Um, I, I thought, other than that, though, I thought he was absolutely delightful. And some interesting points that, that he kind of brought up, he felt they weren't far off. I mean, obviously, nine and seven. And we did kind of last season... I think as a group suggest that Mike Malarkey was not the strongest of coaching choices to take that team forward, but they did seem to have a really good attitude. Jack Conklin mm. was a really good pickup and the offensive line did really well. And considering that he gave us that little insight that Marcus Mariota was never a hundred percent fit and there were a lot of niggling injuries, you do feel like beyond improving the interior of their offensive line, which Delaney Walker mentioned, on that side of the ball, there's not a huge amount much more they need to do. No, I think that I think I mean I'd, it's funny how this was a bad, really bad division last year, but it is one of those where you think that genuinely this could become one of the best divisions in football really quickly, and I think the Titans are a big reason for that. They they need to improve on defense, but they were they were they improved a lot last year, and you would think with another draft of of John Robinson, they can do that. Especially this is a great draft, and they've got. So many picks in the first two, three rounds because of the trade last year. That 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 trade last year is totally franchise altering. Even more so when you look at that, they could get maybe five starters from this draft class. So yeah, the, the Titans should be really good. I mean, the, the only negative is is the guy you mentioned to me, Mike Malarkey. I'm not still not overly convinced that he can be the NFL head coach who wins a Super Bowl. Um, it sounds like Walker, though, is convinced and that it sounds like that room is convinced that they all really fight for him and they all really play for him. Yeah, but there's a lot more to coaching than having guys who fight for you, isn't there? I mean, the, 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 the offence got better as the year went along, but it's still pretty archaic thinking to be running the offence that they're running. And, 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 and you've got to think it makes it easy to defend, and that, that's a real problem to me. They could do with like a superstar wide receiver, but then who couldn't do with a superstar wide receiver? But I just think you mentioned the defensive side of the ball. They've got Rashad Johnson uh, is a free agent. I think Denoris Cersei, who I really liked two years ago, had a bit of a poor year. I think they need help at Corn. Like in a, from a secondary perspective, up there as as one of the worst in the league. And okay, we talked about how much like Jarrell Casey, but could do with a really good nose tackle inside of him to allow him to do what he does without having to plug up gaps 
against the run game as much as he does. He can't be as disruptive up front while he's filling in and while he's having to do that. Well, they haven't got a decent nose there. And you mentioned earlier, players like Tony Jefferson, Barry Church is out there, Eric Berry's out there. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Eric Berry leaves, but there are big name safeties hitting the market. And if they want to make a splash, that's a position where I think they could really do with making one. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think another place would be um, a, 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 a pass rusher from the linebacker area as well because Brian Arapo had a good season and uh, some of the other guys there, but no one really that explosive that's coming from deeper uh, to threaten up front. So that would be another area. Perhaps they look in the draft at that rather than free agency. But yeah, I like this team the, 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 on offense. And we saw that especially against... Uh, well, against Green Bay, uh, for one that sticks in my memory, the, the different ways of, of moving the ball, getting the ball to different players and from different players that we saw um, DeMarco Murray throw a, t- a touchdown this season. So I think there are lots of different ways that they can that they can uh, you know hurt opponents. And if they just add and clever in in where they add. It, I, you could see them going one better, ten and six, or eleven. And, you know, not maybe eleven and five, but really challenging the Texans this year. I think it has a lot to do as well with are the Colts going to be better this year now they've started to try and sort out their front office issues. Are the Jags going to be better this year with their changes? Like it does help that those two teams are playing in uh, some pretty cupcake games in their own division. Um, and it could end up being that with four strong teams, like from a talent perspective. And we're going to get on to both these teams. But I think the Colts are the weakest talent top to bottom in the division. But I think the Jags are young and they need coaching. So, and the Colts have then got Andrew Luck. So there's an argument that all four of these teams could be playoff teams again this year. So it might be a case of you make that step up. But is the small step up enough to actually make a step up? Because your division's going to get a lot tougher. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just really believe that the Titans and Texans are two teams to watch. At the, at the back end of the playoffs next year. And, I mean, as I say, my only concern with the Titans is Mike Malarkey. But if you're looking for teams that could make a huge leap forward from from kind of... I mean, the Texans were in the playoffs, but from from fairly average to, like, Super Bowl contenders, I and, think both of those will be high on my list. And let's not forget they own the 5 and the 18 in the draft this year. Um I wouldn't actually be all that stunned to see them with, with where their needs are and what's meant to be strong in this draft. Um, and we're going to be getting Simon Clancy on and speaking a lot more draft as we get closer to it. But uh, I wouldn't be that surprised to see maybe at the five if they can trade out again and, and pick up either picks for next year or extra picks later in the first round, early in the second round. You know That, that wouldn't be a big shock. They like to move about. They've been big big-time uh, trade targets in the past. and they, I, 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 I would think, if anything, again. they'll try and pick up more picks this year because, I mean, as I said, they've already got a lot, but this is a really good draft class to have a lot of high picks. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's an option again, and if they're following the Patriots mantra, then they'll, they'll almost certainly do that. Beautiful. Shall we talk about the Indianapolis Colts? Let's. Um, Chris Ballard has a lot of work to do. Um they are a mess on defense there. I think the offensive line for all the hate we've been giving it over the past few years actually grew as a unit this year. And there are a couple of players in there who are, uh, who are growing into their job roles. I still think they need a, a, a decent, decent level tackles, but the interior of the line is looking better and better. I think Ryan Kelly improved them um, when he was, when he came in this year. 
do you look at that one there? It's been a huge weakness when you know the quarterback, Andrew Luck, is someone who, if given the time in the pocket, can make all the throws and do everything you need him to do. Do you make a big focus on that if you're the incoming uh, GM? Or do you look at the absolute dumpster fire that is your defense and go, right, we need pass rushers, corners, safeties, probably some linebackers, maybe an inside tackle as well, uh, and just go absolutely nuts on that side of the ball? I think what you'd, you'd hope that they'd learn from the mistakes of of past GMs and past drafts and past free agencies where they did really load up on the offense um, and and totally neglected the defense. You'd hope that that's the case. And actually, let's sort out this defense. We've seen that defense wins championships. We've seen that teams with a really good defense go far in the playoffs. Look at the Texans in this draft class. Uh, sorry, in this in this division. Uh, the Jags are going to be stronger on defense this year. Look at uh, the Patriots and the Broncos and, and everybody else. That, uh, you know, the Bengals, they're all great on defense. Let's look at that defense and get that defense better. You'd hope that. My fear is that perhaps it might be endemic within the, the, the team itself that they, they look at perhaps a running back. They see that Frank Gore's um, 91 years old and let's, let's draft a running back really high when they really don't need to. Let's get that defense sorted. I just, I, I'm sorry, I was looking at their cap situation. I didn't realize that Anthony Costanzo was costing them $12.8 million this year. That is painful. Yep. That's the that's the Ryan Grigson <laughs> legacy right there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, Von, paying Vontae Davis is fine, even though he's um, getting up in years now. And obviously, Andrew Luck is a huge part of the cap, 20-odd million. But, yeah, that is shocking, isn't it, really? Um, yeah, I, the problem is, is you can go out and you can draft a lot of people on defense and you can try and get them in and working immediately in the system. And, and you just kind of feel like, with those one or two pieces on offense, they could be the sort of team who will come out and score 40 points on you and then we'll work out what's happening with the defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see them finishing last in the division this year. To me, the only question with the Colts is if if Andrew Luck can become the guy that he's meant to be, then then I think all better off because if he becomes that kind of guy, then it, like a Tom Brady, then you're guaranteed to win your division probably. But that, to me, is a big question. Um, I think the rest of the roster is... Is is a bit of a mess and and needs kind of multiple years of work. So unless Andrew Luck's going to carry them, I think they'll be they'll be struggling. But I mean, there is the obviously the possibility of Luck becoming that guy. So we go from a team then who need a complete overhaul to a team who probably have most of the pieces they need. Although, as we're going to hear from Tony Baselli, their offensive line is uh, falling apart at the seams, so they might need to spend there in a big way. The Jags have got great young players. They're projected to have $75 million in salary cap space, third in the NFL behind the Browns and the 49ers. Uh, they are... It's just that they've got a quarterback who didn't work last year. Should we hear from Tony Baselli first, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll try and figure this all out? The second offensive lineman, we, former offensive lineman we've seen today, was just in great physical condition. Gotta <laughs> say that. Too. Thank you. Uh, back on Radio Rome with an absolute favourite, former Jags, bit of a legend, and we're all hoping going into the Hall of Fame this coming Saturday. Tony Paselli, uh, Tony. Uh, well, a, a lot of our listeners will be familiar with you by now. But yeah, I, hey, I love coming with you guys. Man. Hey, we. Uh, I thoroughly it's our enjoyed. Second home. It's London. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to the broadcast of the. 
Packers-Cowboys game on the way home. I had to drive home during the first half. Really, really enjoyed you guys, the chemistry you guys have got. And then you know, you've gone up to doing national radio, and in the first season you're going to be out here to cover a Super Bowl. That's not bad. No, it's great coming out doing this. And, uh, you know, it's the best of both worlds. i got to do the Jaguar games on Sunday and then do Thursday night for Westwood one during the season and then some playoffs I mean it's uh, you know the more football you can talk about the better and I've got to talk about a lot of football this year and especially you know when the Jags are having a tough year like they did it's good to go see some other games as well um, so hopefully that'll change in the near future hey we're all hopeful too and, and you know Coach Maroon pretty well uh, yeah from his time out coaching with the, the guys on the offensive line and and what are your impressions of him? We loved it. We had a conference call with him, and we absolutely loved chatting to him when he came on with us. Really, it seemed to have a real personality, seemed to have a real plan. But uh, is it the the regime change necessary to get those talented young players playing? Well, I mean, you look at the NFL is about production and wins and losses. And Gus is a very good friend of mine, and I hated to see him lose his job, but you understood why it happened. I mean, the wins and losses just weren't in the right column and they weren't adding up right. But there wasn't, that doesn't mean everything was bad. I mean, look at the defense. That's why they kept Todd Wash. Six-rated defense in the NFL. They played good football. They had issues on offense and really around the quarterback played quite a bit and they needed to do better there and they needed to be more consistent there and they have to have better play. So as far as Doug, I mean, I, I'm hoping. I hope he, he'll do a good job. I think the big thing was, though, the biggest change is bringing Tom Coughlin back and what he will mean to that building and kind of the culture and the uh, kind of what he, the, how he'll set things there and his presence being there, uh, I think will have a big influence on what happens. You, you know of Coach Coughlin as well as anybody, Tony. I mean, what do you think he can bring in this role? Obviously, the clocks are going to be five minutes earlier by now, yes, I imagine. Yes. Um, but but what, what can he bring to that role specifically, do you think, that can, that can help create change? He's a winner. And he's won. Um, and so there's a credibility that he brings immediately before anything else happens. Uh, I think that helps with the fans. I think it helps in the building. I think it, you know, uh, ultimately the players respond to, un- when they know you're a good coach and you can help them, that's what they respond to. But I, I do think there's a sense of him having the experience of doing it once in Jacksonville and getting close to the Super Bowl, doing it in New York and getting to the Super Bowl twice and winning it, bringing all those experiences, I think he helps uh, with the credibility, but then the real, the real action items of, of some of the things that need to be done, and maybe some of the changes that need to happen. And, I mean, to me, the the key next season is is Blake Bortles. Not so much the mechanics, because I think he'll fix the mechanics in the off season. It's obviously tough during the season to do that. My question is whether how much is do you think his confidence is going to have taken a hit by the fact that he fixed the mechanics up and then they just slid away from him again and I mean do you think it's a a wake-up call that he needs that that's something that for the rest of his career he's probably going to need to focus on but most importantly do you think confidence wise he can recover from the the disappointment of a season where he was tipped as the next breakout quarterback if that wasn't a wake-up call and you, I'm not sure there's an alarm loud enough to wake him up. I mean, I mean, it better be. Come on, now he. I mean, that was that was bad. I mean, it was a tough year. I'm not putting it all on Blake. I mean, there's other guys that need to play better as well. But I think the message is to Blake that this is a con- a constant process. The process of always improving, always getting better, always working on your craft, always doing the little things, especially if there are areas that mechanically you might struggle and that don't come as natural. So that means you have to work extra hard. You have to always put that time in. 
And I hope he learned that because there's a lot of things that – uh, about Blake Bortles you really like. and There's a lot of positives, his toughness and what he does in the uh, – how he handles himself in the pocket, his leadership ability and everything else. But the accuracy and the decision-making have to improve, and if they don't, he won't be the quarterback. Yeah. A player that I, th- I think needs not, – not to improve, but he's, he's going to be out of contract this year. Luke Jokel, former first-round pick. Well, he is a first-round pick. Um, he hasn't really come on as much as I, I people liked, expected. I liked his move inside, though. I thought when he moved inside, he, he started to really look like a player who was developing, and it was exciting. Well, maybe that was the thing that was needed for him. What, what, what's your thoughts on the offensive line overall? Jokel? Well, Jokel's, Beecham, a, big, uh, whole, Jokel's uh, a big unknown. I mean, he's coming back off that major knee injury, and I haven't heard where he's at in the rehab process. And you, I don't think we'll know anything about him until the OTAs. So I, mean, I think it, and I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be active in free agency of trying to get offensive line help. As far as Beecham, uh, he was uh, above average in run. I mean, in the passing game, a below average in running game. Uh, that knee was never. I don't. I don't think it was ever 100. percent I don't think it ever got back to where it does. Now, after getting through a season and another off season where he really can rehab it and get it stronger, does that make a difference? If it does, if he can get his run blocking up to the level of his pass blocking then great. I mean, he's your left tackle. but there's, So there's some unknown there as well. I think they're going to be aggressive in the free agency market. I mean, I mean Kelvin's an interesting one. Great guy. We, we've, oh, we've, great we've, guy. We've had him on here a couple of times, and, and he's a good friend of the show. But as you say, he didn't look the same as he did in Pittsburgh last year. And I, you, 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 absolutely nobody knows offensive line play better than you, but that breakdown seemed accurate from what we saw as well. I mean, ACL injuries... There is a tendency to struggle a little bit the first season back. Can, can you see improvement? And obviously it's a key part of the, the body for, for the position, but can you see second year that that improvement would come? Uh, yeah, I hope so, because he's a, uh, he's a smart player. He's a good player, good pass blocker. He needs to improve the run blocking. He needs to get the power back where he can bend his knees and move people. He couldn't this year. There's a lot of position blocking. Uh, a lot of just shielding guys, and when you want to run that zone scheme, especially the outside zone, you got to have a guy who has to drop his foot and go and run, and he couldn't do it this year, and it made it difficult. I, I, and the other thing is that the way that line works in Pittsburgh and how good we've seen it be over the years, and the, the scheme they run there, it's not dissimilar in terms of the zone blocking, but I think what we saw with the way that the, the the Patriots dealt with them and previously was that getting five guys on the line forcing them to match up one-on-ones so they couldn't get up to the second level do you think that across the board that's something they could try and emulate somewhat in Jacksonville try and work out a way to to get that offensive line working I, I just don't know how the current running backs there you've obviously not got a levy on Bell well but, I was going to say you want to <laughs> <laughs> you want to put it all on the offensive line no no but that's my point it's, it's, you've not got a levy on Bell is, there. did I miss something did Levy on Bell become a Jaguar I, mean, <laughs> I don't know he's over there chatting with Sirius at the moment let's Mike, go and ask him can we go him, tackle but. him I mean, <laughs> drag but, him out there but, but I think my point is is that not only have you got the technique and effects of it but there's sure. also when you're having those injuries break down on the offensive line someone like Jokel going down uh, you've that chemistry between them. Pittsburgh have been one of the best examples of how important that chemistry is. The Falcons this weekend, same five line yeah. the whole season. And so, yes, the knee might be better, but you kind of need it across the board. You need that consistency across all five, don't you? No, you do. And, Will, you know this. It's never one thing. It's not just it's Joker or it's Beecham or it's this or that. Or, you know, if we could just – it's it's consistency. It's injuries. It's uh, guys playing at the level. It's a good – 
the backs being on the same page. You know, good, great backs make lines look better. Great lines make backs look better. It's the combination. If you're throwing the ball better, it's going to give you better uh, run looks to fronts to run into. Uh, if you're playing with the lead, it's different from playing from behind. I mean, there's so many little things that go into it. At the end of the day, they got to be better. they got to be better on offense, especially. they got to be better up front, more consistent, more physical. Quarterback has to play better. They need to be, have more di- uh, get more uh, consistency and more di- have a more dynamic guy in the backfield who can create big plays. Alan, Ro- the ball better. Alan Robinson didn't have a great year. A lot of yeah, drops. Uh, struggled. Struggled with press coverage. I mean, there's so there's uh, Blake was the biggest I- biggest issue, but he was by far the only issue. Uh, how far and then, away then, are and they? then the defense is sixth ranked overall, but didn't get enough takeaways. So we could keep competing yeah, yeah, yeah. about. Yeah. You know what? You know what that is? It's very simple. When you're three and thirteen, there's a lot of crap going on yeah. <laughs> that ain't going the right way. That's true. That is very true. <laughs> Fair, fair. If it was one thing, we'd be here. These teams have <laughs> yeah. one thing wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. It seems like we're, we're bagging on the No, the Jags. Bag- I don't take it that I way. Think we're, I think we're They're all not just far away, are they? We, 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 we love the Jags over in the UK, and this I think is, it's, that, it's that frustration that we want to see them do well. And it felt like two years ago, offensively, right. they were there. The defense didn't catch up. This yeah. year, other way around. It's, it's not like... Are we, but he, that was a good, are we close? Yeah. I'm a fr- like there's this deep-seated fear of me saying yes because I've been saying it for the last couple of years. <laughs> We've all been saying it, <laughs> yeah, Tony. So, um, Tony, um, I can I, I uh, like going to like a dark place when I start thinking of saying it again. But I do think they are. I mean, it, this is two years ago, three years ago, four years. They, they had no talent, and we wanted them to be good because we were fans and we were like trying to will them, hope them, force them, faith them to being good. They have talent now. They got to execute better. They got to get better play of the quarterback. They need to add a guy here or there. But I do think they're close. The, the, the cupboard is far from bad. I mean, Jalen Ramsey looks immediately to me like a guy who could become a shutdown corner. Miles Jack was virtually a redshirt season, so you've got him to come next year. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. It's just don't think any of us are going to fully kind of get there in believing until we see some sign of it on the field. But, but, and, and even when we talked about the drive, we were also excited about Dante Fowler coming back. Yeah. But, uh, the, the star of that front was uh, Yannick. Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, like, he had an amazing season. So, yeah, there, there is reason for hope. There is reason for hope. When are you guys heading back to the UK? So we're going back Monday. Pretty much straight away in the afternoon, but uh, don't worry, we'll be hitting you up plenty in the off season. Yeah. <laughs> I, look for, I look forward to get over there. There's loads yeah. of stuff. We, we're waiting. The stuff with the Jags in this off season looks really exciting. Lots of players. And yeah, doing the sevens tournament again. So you know, big Looking big commitment to, to the UK, and hope we we're love the see, UK. Hope we're going to see you out there as well. Come over and grab a pint. Yeah, too right. I'm yeah. Not, I won't take you to that Irish pub again. It was, where too, it was too low. I, the the I, ceilings, genuinely. We went to, uh, was it Waxy's, the one there? Oh, you can't square. take a giant to that. <laughs> it's glad, okay for me. I'm glad we only had one pint, because if I had like two or three pints, I really would have been knocking <laughs> my head around. <laughs> we're, um, we're heading out for some Texas barbecue tonight. Oh, with, um, who are you going with? Well, we're I, going mean, we're, we're, I don't care who you're going with. Who, where, where are you going to eat? <laughs> well, we're not sure yet. We're going with Neil Reynolds and Jeff Reinbold. Oh, sure Neil. You know. I, I saw him walking around here. If, if you want to join us Tony you're more than welcome to, to do that and if you want to join us and recommend a place that might be even better uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of uh, we've been recommended a lot of places outside of town which is yeah, great but, but we're not outside yeah. of town so most of good barbecue is for whatever reason was a little bit outside of town I don't know why yeah. sorry I can't help you well, well 
Well, it's the only reason You've we invited down, you over. Totally. We were really excited about this interview, and it's all just yeah. gone. Gone, yeah. you know what? <laughs> Tony, always really good fun, uh, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday, and hopefully we'll try and bump into you Sunday, and hopefully it's to congratulate you. Sounds good. Great Thanks, stuff. guys. Cheers, man. See you over in UK. Should be a Hall of Famer. Maybe one day he will be. Tony Baselli, former left tackle of the Jacksonville Jaguars, an all-around thoroughly nice bloke. We took out all the... Hall of Fame stuff from the turn of tail end of that chat. And well, I'm glad you've done Jags that. focused stuff. Mainly because the interview was about 20 minutes long. And um, uh, let's, let's talk about this. Because there's, there's kind of two big issues, as I see it, with, with the Jags. But, and then kind of a few other issues around it. There's going to be... We're going to be talking about what they're going to do with that offensive line. And, and Tony thinks that they're going to go and be very active in free agents. And we've already seen them trying to make some moves in terms of the Bradley and Albert. Where they, they was going to be the trade for, um, for Thomas. And then, they let, and then they're just letting him go for a pick now. And they might still bring Albert in. It's all a bit confusing and a bit of a mess. But the two big things are what impact is Tom Coughlin going to have? Because according to Tony Baselli, he's going to be the big difference. And... If Blake Bortles fixes the mechanics in the offseason, which he can do, we've seen him do it in an offseason before, has he not left himself so mentally scarred and battle-wounded that he won't actually be able to perform in the NFL anymore? Oof, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> um, I, I, I think Sherry's in the similar, similar uh, area of feeling as me to this, that he might have done himself... Irreparable of, harm. Yeah, yeah irreparable harm in, in terms of confidence, in terms of, you know, taking as many hits as he has as well. Uh, he's, you know, he's a guy who a year ago we were already to say, right, he's there, he's good to go. Yeah, he did t- take an absolute battering from not only players, but also press last season. And yeah, I, the, the way he, his, his uh, technique and his mental um, capacities, they all disintegrated last year was worrying and it it really will need someone to bring him back up perhaps Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin are those guys to to get him back to that uh, almost I say a potential elite level quarterback the the signs we saw of which in his rookie and his sophomore season but you know I, I think he's got an awful long way to go he does have in those in those receivers are getting rid of Julius Thomas so I don't think is anything it, 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 it's not going to hurt the team too much because he was largely ineffective even when he was on the field he, he spent a couple of well more than a couple of weeks out injured so I don't think that's an issue Kelvin Beecham's gone from that offensive line and I think yeah th- that's got to be the well, prime he may, place he may not have done he may, may, he may well, the, well the fact is because he had the injuries and stuff there's every chance he could be back this year true that true that but you know, offensive linemen will be in high demand, and around the league, you know, he could end up in Seattle, for instance, or or wherever. But I think, as Tony Baselli said, you've got to load up that offensive line so that we can keep Baselli, uh, keep Bortles upright, uh, and able to to try and uh, show us all that his um, his mechanics have been fixed. I think that. <laughs> The jury's out, isn't it? If I mean, the, the issue to me really is that it's a lot of people have said, "Oh, well, if he could just get back to what he was like in year two. But in year two, he was he was good, not great. And and I mean, you were looking for year two to three to be a big leap, and now suddenly you want year three to four to be back to year two. I, I, I think there's some big problems with it. And to be honest, that. I think they've I think they've potentially made a big mistake in the off season by giving Doug Murray on the job instead of getting 
a Josh McDaniels in who from from everything that we hear basically told Dave Caldwell they didn't think Bortles was up to it and they didn't want to hear it and and I think sometimes a GM can be so wedded to the quarterback he's chosen it's a problem they 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 had to get somebody in who could at least compete with him this year and push him and they haven't done that and that never works I mean, and, 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 Mark Sanchez history and it with the Jets it never works doing and, what they, and it's not just beyond that. Nathaniel Hackett up to offensive coordinator as well is just a, a move of bringing, putting the same guy with him. Now, Ollie's absolutely right with the offensive line. I mean, Luke Jokel, I, think, I thought he was better at left tackle, but actually I think he'll go this off-season. I think somebody will go, oh, he's only 25 years old and he was a number one overall pick. We'll bring him in and we, we're a better team than the Jaguars, so we'll be able to fix him. Um, so you're basically potentially losing the entire left-hand side of that line. I think Bortles, he's clearly going to get another year based on all the moves they've already made. Um, and most of the quarterbacks in this draft seem to be developmental. So is there an argument for taking a guy in a, in a mid-round to a later round to try and bring somebody through? But then, even on the defensive side of the ball, we've all liked the moves they've made. And, and look at the picks they made last year, all of whom are either making an impact already or are going to make an impact. Jaden Ramsey, Miles Jack came on late. Uh, Yannick Ngokwe was brilliant last season. Dante Fowler actually was the weaker of the two with Yannick Ngokwe. But uh, there, there are the linebackers are the ones that the, the one that really does concern me with the Jags as well. If there's going to be something they need to do, because Paul Pozlesny can't do it forever. Telvin Smith is has been a tackle machine, but actually in coverage isn't as strong as you need him to be. For, for his speed, he should be better than he is. So uh, that's another place if they're going to go and throw some money around. But I don't know. Are there, are there free agency linebackers available? Is there anyone of any real worth? Dante Hightower would immediately go in and, and make them show the whole thing up, wouldn't he? I mean, I think they need a guy like that as well because they need guys who, I know that they did it with Malik Jackson last year, but they need guys who are just leaders and, mm. and, and kind of bring that locker room into a bit of discipline, which has clearly been a huge problem for them. But... I just think it, it's difficult with the Jaguars because they kind of basically have said that Gus Bradley was the problem in the moves that they've made. And I'd be pretty interested to see whether that's actually the case, to be honest. Um, I think Blake Bortles and the offensive line are the problem. And the, I mean, Brandon Albert is not going to stay healthy. That is an absolute reality of the situation. It, it won't happen. It never has happened. And there's no left tackles or, or offensive linemen in the draft and free agency compared to usual. It's a very poor class for both. So, yeah, I, th- I think they're struggling with those two pieces. Um, but the flip side is the defence could be so good that it masks all that. And, and, and the other thing is, I actually think it's been kind of under-discussed with that defence, but Prince of Mukamara is only on a one-year deal and he yeah. was he was really good in the slot last year and uh, I think him, House and Ramsey when all fit are actually a pretty good three but uh, Jonathan Cyprian is also A, ageing and B, at the end of his contract so do you bring him back or do you look for a safety because there are certainly safeties in this draft available again they've got a couple of high picks so you know I, I wouldn't be if they can sort out the offensive line to an extent and bring in, say, say, bring Beecham back on a reasonable contract, get another tackle in, get somebody in to play guard as well, and then you can focus on defense in the draft, then you've potentially got, uh, if you can get impact players again like you did last year, if they can draft as well as they did on the defensive side of the ball, then that defense could be brilliant. It just all hinges on Blake Balls, doesn't it? The whole season hinges on Bartles and, and sorting those mechanics out. Because last year, last yeah, he looked like a guy who'd been dropped in 
the middle of NFL, NFL field and not told how to grip the ball properly. <laughs> so, yeah, if he, if he can be better, they've got a chance. And I think I think the Colts and the Jaguars, it's just kind of... Cool, the tackle. I think, realistically, the, all four teams could be really good, but I think the quality of the, the first two teams we mentioned makes it difficult for the other two as well. There are some great interior offensive linemen, Kevin Zeitler, TJ Lang... Uh, there are some guys out there available, Larry Warford, Ronald Leary, uh, even AQ Shipley, a guy who could come in and do a job for two years and while you improve elsewhere, JC Tretter, there's guys available, but the tackles, but, the tackle position is horrible in free agency. Yeah, that, and, and that's the problem, isn't it? The tackle's the one that you feel they really need to address. I mean, they do need to address the whole line, and, and another guy who was actually in Jacksonville two years ago, Stefan Wisniewski. I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. I think it's Wisniewski. Yeah, um, he, he's a good player who, who has been kind of bizarrely, I don't know, he's been bizarrely treated by the league in the last couple of years in that he's been late signing for teams and everybody seems to have decided he's not great, but he always plays pretty well. So there are other kind of lower level guys like him who, who could do a job as well. Beautiful stuff. So uh, if we had to make, uh, at this point in the year, uh, it sounds like our, our suspicion for the AFC South is that there's going to be a, a 50-50 split on it. <laughs> and we're going to see the Texans and Titans as two really good teams. And then the Colts and Jags, it's going to be all about do the, do, the, do the star quarterbacks, I say star in the very loosest of terms uh, for the Jags, step up to the mark to make it an interesting top-to-bottom division. Yeah, I, I think the only way that the two teams that are poorer don't... Um, the only way that they can can close the gap on the two teams that are, that are better, the Texans and the Titans, is if there are significant injuries uh, on, on those two teams that then make the gap... Um, shorten. Because even whatever the, whatever the other two teams do in free agency and in the draft the talent that's already there on those other two rosters is is i think it's a, a gap too far to to jump inter- interestingly they've got the nfc west and the afc north next year so i mean i think the schedule plays into it because i i, I genuinely think you could see two or three teams from this division in the playoffs next year definitely two so that that's interesting i mean the nfc west isn't as strong as it was and and I think the North isn't as strong as it has been in the last couple of years as well. So there's a chance for teams to pile up the wins in that division, but it's we'll, we'll wait and see. Beautiful stuff, gentlemen, and that leads us nicely into talking about the AFC North on our next show, uh, which we're going to record right now. Spoiler alert! So if there's any big news over oh. the next two days, then me and Ollie are going to uh, then me and Ollie are going to uh, record an extra intro. He doesn't know about that yet, but we will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so look out for that in a couple of days' time, and we'll also probably have to record a little bit anyway, Ollie, because we'll hopefully have some big tour news at that point as well, or at least be letting you know about an email coming out. So uh, make sure you go register your interest at Touch downtrips.com because it's going to be brilliant gentlemen any final thoughts no on the afc south or beyond not really no fine whatever (laughs) Uh, brilliant in which case thank you very much for listening this has been the gridiron show